Welcome to another episode of CHN Radio. This is the big number 200, which is really like episode like 200 and like 50 something. But at some point we change the numbering. It doesn't matter. Uh, It's Uh, like a DC comic book. You know, they keep resetting Batman. You never know where you really start or end. Exactly. And there's like there. And then if you go to Marvel there, we're on like our 50th Spider-Man. So that's right. um, So anyway, uh, I'm Elijah and uh, I'm joined, of course, by my good friend. And podcast God, the Pod God, Josh Duder. Josh, how are you? That's a that's a hefty title. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm well, doing you know, well. I, I do what I can. I I give people titles that maybe they deserve, maybe they don't deserve. Oh. It's up for the 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 court of there's a lot of court of opinion to decide. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. So uh, should be a. I, I've said this like three episodes in a row. Should be a short episode. So. Should be a long episode uh, where we, we talk about some news and then we preview Newcastle's upcoming match to Manchester United, um, which some are saying could be the most important match of the season. It's a big and one for sure. I will. We can we can talk about that more when we preview this stuff. But first, we're going to get into some news um, and then just a quick programming update. Josh, I don't know if you saw the the news from a. Uh, our our friend Elon Musk that he tweeted out today mm, or he mm-hmm. yesterday about uh just Twitter's getting ruined, people. So uh, I will say this CHN podcast Instagram account is coming soon because uh the uh the Congress Congress who is uh, hey Josh, here's a fun fact. There was TikTok mm-hmm. hearings about banning TikTok. Yeah. And uh, everyone on that board of uh, 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 everyone on that committee has a, a lot of meta stock. So there you go. You could put two and two together on that. So um, it looks like uh, meta and Mr. Zuckerberg's platform are going to be the only is uh, weirdly enough, one of the only social media platforms that's still going to be viable for the next few years, at least. So we will be migrating over to Instagram in the next couple weeks. So still feel free to still follow us on Twitter at CHN underscore podcast, but I have no idea what the future of Twitter is going to be. Because every single time uh, the CEO gives an update, it's like actively making the the app worse. Yeah, like all right. I, I don't know. I don't know what the end game is. I think that he. I don't know if the, if if it was intentional to break it down, and then do okay. it in a way that he masked the intent by trying to monetize it, and then use the monetization failure as an excuse for its falling apart. But in any event. Instagram is perfectly fine. I have an Instagram account. We use that for protagonist. I use that for soccer clubs that I run their social media Mm -hmm. and I have my own personal one. I don't tend, I'm a little more private on Instagram with my my account. I'm not going to tell people to follow us on Instagram. But but if we have a coming home Newcastle podcast, Instagram account, we both have access. I think we could put news notes, pictures, and then there's always the link in the bio. So whenever there's a new app out, 
we can yeah. put, you can just go to the link in the bio and you know that the new app can be found there and it should be That's easy true. peasy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Um, yeah. <laughs> my, my thoughts on the Twitter breakdown is, is simply this. Elon had a bluff that was called and he bought an app that he didn't want to buy and made all these claims about said app said that it was suppressing him and all this other stuff. And he claimed that problems that only he experienced, like realistically, the only person on Twitter that gets flooded with bots in their mention mentions, like as much as Elon Musk did is Elon Musk. He said that there was this problem that he could solve. And when someone said, okay, you have the money to buy this app and solve it yourself. He had to do it because they said, oh yeah, no, it's fine. We'll sell it to you. Like you can have this, you, yeah. you try running it. And now he's running it and realizing it's hard, but also running it from this weird perspective of like, again, I don't, I don't really love, I don't, I'm not a big rich guy defender as nope. people who know this podcast know, but I, I, I understand the mindset of, of many of them. And I will say this, like one thing you could say about Jack as a CEO of Twitter was like the guy understood the platform and wasn't in the bubble of like tech bros, Silicon Valley bros. Like he was on all aspects of Twitter and Elon simply isn't. So his experience on Twitter that he currently has is how he thinks the app should be run. And like the problems that he experiences and he's not an average user of Twitter he thinks are way bigger than like, like he thinks those problems are what everyone experiences. Mm, so like mm -hmm. everything is being driven by this whole like idea of trying to eliminate bots when in reality, bots are not an issue for an average Twitter user. Like I don't have bots in my mention. And in fact, they've pro if I do, it's only been since this Twitter takeover. Yeah, I have noticed <laughs> I've been, I wouldn't say inundated, but yeah. since his takeover, I've noticed there's a lot more, Mm, attractive profile pictures that have ended up in my DMs, which I leave open because I want people who follow me for the soccer Same. to be able to send me messages. But I block probably two or three and delete the messages of, mm -hmm. of questionable profiles every day. But to me, like I also have always blocked every advertisement that came through. Yeah. If it's Mac, you know, Mac and cheese, or if it's, Budweiser beer, whatever it is, if it's a Tesla car, I block the ad because I, you know, I don't want to see it yeah. to me. If that, that seems like a viable solution, but I also only have 1500 followers. So maybe that becomes worse when you have a hundred times that many. I don't know. But, I don't have that experience. And I think that's the, that's the disconnect is that the average Twitter user doesn't even have 1500 followers mm. like like it's insane and so we'll see basically uh tldr or just you skip this whole part you need to have twitter blue in order to use the app is what it's turning into we like, doing it we're, oh god no i mean i don't think there's just like i there i don't know i mean i have friends who have who've bitten the bullet and have tried it out and now they're screwed because now the blue check mark once they've unsubscribed is still there but regardless like in order to vote on polls and to post polls you need to have verification through twitter blue which is not even real verification um mm. because like there's now it's data coming out it's literally like there's data coming out now about how like there's a large base of twitter blue users that have zero followers like so are those people like no <laughs> so it's 
it's a mess. All right. Anyway, let's actually talk about Newcastle. Fun times. People <laughs> want want to hear us just ramble about All like long. current events. It but was a short episode. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was a short episode until now. All right, let's get into the news. Um, women, they I'll be are brief. cooking. I'll be brief. Oops. I'll be brief. They have five yeah. matches left, sir. They play this Sunday at Barnsley. Yeah. Uh, they are second still on 43 points, four points behind Durham Sestria, who won over the weekend last weekend. Uh, well, Newcastle had that weekend off. Um, Durham only have three matches left, including an away match to York City on Sunday. So if, and look, Durham's been really good this year, but let's yeah. just say that they go away and they draw away to York City and Newcastle win, then I think, uh, you know, bit by bit we're chipping away. I'm st- we're still at the point that if Newcastle don't worry about Durham and they just take care of their business and they win out, they earn promotion however i'm always a fan of making it easier so let's root for durham to lose or drop points at the same time yeah no uh same um that's spot on also newcastle are employing the same strategy as Wrexham, which is essentially buy your way to uh getting out of the lower leagues and that's exactly what they've done we talked about it a few months ago when they brought in two signings from like championship level uh women's teams and those signings have paid off uh and i don't know if if i, I know we talked about rex a little bit but they just signed a uh, forcer so like they just signed oh, a yeah. former premier league goalkeeper in order to like push their envelope forward but it's like if you've got the money like that's the way football is now like well, you spend i mean it, so i want to if we're if we're doing it and we don't have to spend much time on it but i want to give a shout out to the wrexham women as well down there in in north wales they earned promotion in their own league system in the in the welsh women's league system um by very much the same means as the newcastle women by simply being the best at what they do so congratulations to the wrexham women and yeah. let's go how way the lasses yeah, love it, love it. Okay, so international break. Um, we had we mentioned on the last pod that we had a bunch of people in action. I don't even think we mentioned Martin Dubravka, but he he obviously played. He always plays for uh, what Slovakia. Yes, Slovakia. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, just a couple of of bits of news. The only Newcastle player that had anything of relevance this whole break was Garan Cole, who scored for Australia and when they played Ecuador. It was a uh, his first international goal. Excuse me. It was his first international goal. Um, it was. If you look at the goal, it's a, it's it's a pretty like it's it's not a it's a tap in and it, it was an awkward bounce for him. So like, I mean, sure, it, congrats. Yeah, like, I mean, goal's it, goal. Um, especially given he's he's definitely struggled a little bit since being loaned to Hearts. Um, just with playtime as well as just uh, like I'm sure the adjustment to English football is something. So I'm curious to see what happens with him in the summer. Uh, but. For now, he's now going to return to Hearts, where they are like what twenty eight points behind second and thirty seven points behind first. So Yowza. that league is not a real league. No, um, it's no. It's just like it's like they're in third place, but you wouldn't even know it. It's insane. Um, so shout out to Grand Cole. Uh, and then Sven Botman had a weird one. Uh, where him and a few other players had to withdraw from the Netherlands camp because some sort of uh virus started spreading mm. through the camp so mm-hmm. um tbd as to whether or not that affects his availability this weekend against manchester united i'm sure we'll find out more 
um, regarding that this Friday. But other than that, it was pretty standard international break. Uh, Isak started uh, probably his most viral moment was uh, he got subbed off for uh, Ibrahimovic, who got called up despite being, uh, I don't know, Josh, is Ibrahimovic older than you or are you guys about the same age? I, he's, I believe he's 41. Yeah. And uh, I'm 46. <laughs> So okay, well yeah, so you guys are you guys are close. He so inspires imagine, me. Yeah, he's an inspiration for sure. That is <laughs> yeah, he's he's something else. So uh yeah, so nothing crazy from anyone else really. I mean, Dubrovka did his thing in goal versus Lakia. Other big news is that Newcastle United has announced safe standing uh for uh being being trialed next season at St. James's Park. Mm-hmm. Um I believe it'll be eighteen hundred people uh who will have to essentially get a safe standing like ticket type permit type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because uh, like I didn't realize that this was, I mean, it's definitely more of a European issue, if that makes sense. Uh, the mm-hmm. safe standing uh, where like in America, I think there is no safe standing. Everyone just stands regardless, but mm-hmm. it's also doesn't get, maybe it doesn't get as raucous, but also England does not strike me as an environment in which you necessarily need safe standing. So um, but it, nonetheless, it's happening at St. James's next season. Uh, so shout out to the club. We'll see how it goes. It's again, I'd, I think safe standing makes sense in Turkey, but in the UK, I, I just don't understand why everyone's like demanding it. I don't think it's going to change a, the match day experience that much. I think that it will for them actually. And I think there's okay. a long, I think there's a long history that has to do with, uh, if it goes all the way uh, back to Hillsborough and the and the the Liverpool um, the unfortunate event with the Liverpool supporters, but also um, I believe that there was a, a pretty bad accident, also involving I, I believe it was also involving Liverpool supporters um, on the continent. It may have been at a German stadium um, where it collapsed. That that stadium collapsed wasn't due to safe standing, but there was a series of of, of raucous issues with with um, with punks. And with skinheads and fighting in in the eighties, I believe, and uh, and and then I think it came to a, it came to a head with just a, they needed a way to count and to control and um, to calm down the crowd. There's probably somebody, obviously, our UK listeners are going to know a lot more about the history of this. Yeah, honestly, the, if, than if we you do, do slide we, in our DMs, yeah. we can figure out a time because. I, I, it's just from an American perspective, it doesn't even make sense to us because, like, hmm. for the most part, at all of our sporting events, like standing is commonplace and it never really gets out of control. I think it depends on the ticket, right? Yeah. So, like, let's let's take a, a an NBA game for example. Now, if you're in the if you're in the Upper Bowl, um, I my experiences in the Upper Bowl of a Portland Trailblazers game have been everyone's sitting until there's a reason to stand and then everyone jumps up and they clap and then they sit back down. If you're closer down in the lower bowl of an indoor basketball arena, you may stand more frequently because you're closer to the action and you, maybe you feel it more, or maybe you feel more entitled because of the amount of money you paid for that ticket. But conversely at like a Portland Timbers game, the more money you pay for a ticket, I feel like those sections are more likely to sit down at a soccer game. And then if you get into the supporter section, like the North end at, at the, at the Providence park where the Timbers play, they stand from like 90 minutes before the match kicks off 
throughout the entire match and well until after the match is over, win or lose. And I'm okay. sure. No, you know me. I'm a supporter section guy. Yeah, I was going to say I'm, I'm, I'm shirt I'm, off, scarves out. You know yep, me. Yep, I'm sure it's same over in Atlanta and in Detroit and wherever else. But but I think in England, I think they they've in the UK they purposefully created and engineered atmospheres that were calmer to sort of like keep people from fighting or keep crowds under control to keep account of how many people were there. So that, that's my interpretation of what, I, what I've heard over the years. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I, I just, in my head, I, I, I liken the Galligate into like a supporter section where mm-hmm. it feels like just based on the stories I've heard and the th- things I've seen that for the most part, people are standing and safe standing is because they want they want to get more and more people in there and this is the last thing i'll say on it is there are a couple of stadiums in mls who actually have safe standing sections orlando is one of them um and it it i will say it does seem like it makes a slight difference like it makes it so that i don't know it's safer with the rails yeah yeah no it's definitely a bit more uniform like yeah i've definitely i see the benefit behind it i just don't know how much i guess my 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 like point is i don't know how much of the safe standing is going to really transform the atmosphere at same james's when it's already a great atmosphere you know what we're gonna have to do singing I'm yeah. gonna, what, we're, what we're gonna have to do elijah is uh obviously not this season but maybe next season depending on our finances yeah yeah maybe you and i could uh we could uh head on up to uh the strawberry grab a pint and then go catch a match at st james's in the in the safe standing section yeah, and we, yeah, and then, and then we'll know. Yeah, we'll we'll know, we'll know, we'll know. Let's find sure. out. And we'll find out. The Count good thing pennies. is that I've I've got some friends out there, so it'd be nice to meet these people. I'd love to meet my boy Graham and Chris Woff and like Mark Douglas, all the people who've who've given us shout outs in the past. And like, Yo, if they give, if they stuff. can, if they can help us find a place to crash, we might be able to pull pull together the travel funds. So anyway, that's an idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Um, live pod from uh from Newcastle for sure. Yeah. That'd be sick. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, so that's that was a small bit of news that we spent Fun. too long on. <laughs> that's um, why these right. are always so long. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, then just real quick, the club did confirm the rumored announcement. Uh, sorry, the club did confirm the rumored documentary from Amazon that uh, we've been talking about the past couple episodes that mm. are going to be about the inner workings of the club. I think it's going to be a four-part documentary right now. It's set to release sometime this summer. I want to say it's June or July, and it's only going to be on Amazon in the UK, but there Ooh. is a possibility that uh, it gets released here in the US later on. I'd be shocked if it doesn't. Why wouldn't um, it? I have no idea. I don't know why it didn't already get released in the US. I mean, all or nothings are all here in the US as well. So that's just something to be mindful of for our American listeners. But I want to say like UK and a bunch of other European countries they named uh, will be able to watch it as early as this summer. So should be fascinating. I'm sure we'll see all of the crazy clips from it um, that will come out. So cool. And I think it'll give Newcastle fans some insight into like what goes on when running a club or a business, because that yeah. is probably the biggest disconnect with this fan base. <laughs> or, um, other bit of news, Fabian Share got his master's degree in sport management. So shout out to him. He and I have the same degree. So good. Awesome. Well done. Um, and then uh, this is a small bit of news that I think Newcastle fans blew out of proportion. But uh, Newcastle announced that a fan advisory board will be created in 2023, 2024, and will touch on a variety of topics 
including first team home shirt club colors, uh, club crest, club names, uh, then different working groups regarding diversity and inclusion and all these other different things, um, club strategy, strategic vision, community engagement. Um, and people, I think, blew this out of proportion because the, the, the announcement specifically mentioned uh, that heritage assets will be discussed, like club crest, club name, and first team mm-hmm. shirt club colors. Uh, and, of course, there were also rumors that Josh commented on as well on Twitter, which if you still want to use the Bird app, and you can follow us on there as well. Like there were some talks about potentially updating the club crest to modernize it. Similarly, we've seen other clubs do this. Um, like Man City did one a couple years ago. Um, and I want to say one of the Italian teams did it. You know, Juve did it as well a couple years mm-hmm. ago. Um, so it's not out of the question for that to happen, but I think people saw the the fan advisory board and these topics and assumed that like they were putting together a fan advisory board to talk about those topics specifically. The truth is, and this is the the truth is that this is a part of what the Premier League announced after their stakeholders meeting earlier this season that they want to have fan advisory councils for every single club. So some clubs had them, like I want to say Chelsea had one, um, but then not every club had them. So now once you're in the Prem, like if, especially if you're there for a while, it's expected that you have some sort of fan advisory club, uh, or sorry, fan advisory board, which again, seems like common sense, like supporter relations is something that a lot of teams have, but Newcastle didn't have that, so they had to establish one. So uh, it's news, but it's not real news. I don't think the club crest is changing anytime soon. I definitely don't think the club name is changing anytime soon. No. One no. thing we do know is that the uh, apparently the third kit is going to be an inverse of what the third kit is this year. So um, it's going to be green with white accents. So sure if there are it's ever not any the, questions it's as, not the it, first time that we've had a green shirt as a as an alternate shirt that's fine yeah I'm i mean not, it it's not the first time but it's also the first time we've had the exact same say the exact same shade of green as the saudi arabian flag uh that's 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 true and and our in our home in our in our third kit looks like the saudi arabian away jersey right now and then next year it will look like the saudi arabian home jersey yeah so that'll that's that's something that will never go away, um, for sure. But yeah, that's all we got for news. So we're 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 tracking pretty well. Not gonna lie. It works for me. Yeah. So you ready to hop into a yeah? Uh, let's do United, it. United uh, preview. Absolutely. Yeah. Pod season. Yeah, we're gonna preview Man U. All right. Uh, so <laughs> um, Hopping into the thick of things, as we know, Manchester United, uh, Newcastle are, are hosting Manchester United in a few days. It's going to be a Sunday match, so uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be the the big dog on uh, on on in America, on USA, I guess, and Universo and Telemundo and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then in the UK, it's like the main night time match. Stuart Atwell is going to be the guy in the middle. Um, injuries wise, uh, there's a couple of there's a couple of things to uh to consider 
Nick Pope, as we mentioned, he had a bit of a, I think he had a bit of a knock uh, and withdrew from the England squad uh, before he was like, he kind of denied his call up. So he's someone who we're looking out. To, I'm, I'm sure he's fine now after a week of rest and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure he's fine now. Miguel Amaron, as we know, has a thigh injury. Um, Emil Kraft, obviously, is, is out injured for the rest of the season. Sven Botman, as we already mentioned earlier on this podcast, is uh, has a stomach bug or some sort of virus. Alan St. Maxman had a bit of a knock as well. One interesting bit of news is that Anthony Gordon has completely outpaced his recovery time and could be available for this match as well. So Mm -hmm. um, as great as Jacob Murphy has been on the right-hand side, Anthony Gordon could be someone who's pushing for that same position while Miguel Amaron is out for at least the next next couple of weeks. So that's all we've got on the Newcastle side. On the Man U side, Garnacho um, is out with an ankle injury. Martial's got a bit of a knock. Christian Eriksen is still out. Uh, Donny Van de Beek uh, didn't even realize this. He had a knee injury. He's out for the season. Marcus Rashford, which is is big news. He's got an ankle injury. He's a bit doubtful. Um, Veron is uh, doubtful. And then Casemiro had picked up another suspension. Uh, got a a direct red card. So yeah. uh, in this last match, so that's actually pretty massive news for Newcastle because yeah. uh, Man U without Casemiro in the middle of the pitch looked absolutely awful. Um, just they, their midfield does not look really, it doesn't look coherent no, they at saw all. Fred. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they saw Fred, but Fred is a classic way better as an international player than he is as a, <laughs> uh, as a club player, classic Fred, like that's, that's him. And you got like a, like a angel D Maria is in that category as well. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a few players that are just like, you look at them and they're playing for their national teams. And you're like, man, this guy's insane. And then they come back in the league and you're like, how's this guy starting again? So uh, we'll see how Fred does with uh, likely Mick sauce is going to be playing McTominay, Newcastle uh, transfer target. Potentially he will also be playing, but, um, before we actually get into predicting the lineups and injuries and all that, mm. well, not injuries, but lineups and all that kind of stuff, Josh, I kind of want to ask you, how important do you think on a scale of one to 10 is this match? I mean, oh, this, I mean we're, I we're at the business end of the season because of the, because of the position that we find ourselves in, where at the beginning of the year, you asked me, I said, fine, give me six, seven, eight and a good cup run. We got a good cup run. We didn't get the result we wanted, but we got the good cup run, right? We still are very much in the running for six, seven, eight. We're staring down the barrel of finishing three or four. Yeah. That is not impossible. Winning. So we didn't foresee this as being the most important match of the season. Mm-hmm. But to this point, this is now become the most important match of the season. Yeah. Should we lose? It's fine. There's there's a handful of matches left. I think there's another. There's we've got Arsenal as well. That's going to yeah. end up being a big big one depending on how things go between now and then as well. But to this point, this is the biggest match and beca- for both for both clubs, for both yeah. clubs. Um because this no, I think massive. Yeah, and and, uh, and could you think of I mean, could you think Two, two years ago in the muck and the mire that we were in that we would be playing against Manchester United with a possibility of getting a result in front of a raucous St. James crowd in a match that actually matters that isn't in a relegation fight. Like, come on. This is no, what we want. Insane. This is what we want. Yeah. I think to add on to that point, it's it's 
you look at the rest of Newcastle's schedule, and honestly, because it's a, it's not a ton of games, I'm just going to go down the list, and there really is, like you said, the Arsenal match is the only other match in which you're like, okay, this is this is one where Newcastle are really going to have to work for a result. And if Newcastle play to the ability that we've seen them play throughout the season, it is very well. It's it's very well possible Newcastle outside of this match in Arsenal could just finish the rest of the season with without losing a match. Um, looking at who they play after Man U, it's West Ham who been up and down the season. Brentford mm-hmm. up and down the season. Aston Villa up and down the season. Tottenham just fired their manager, which of course has major implications to how Newcastle uh, finished out the season because right now Tottenham are just ahead of them in the table with Newcastle having the game in hand. Um, Everton after Tottenham, Southampton after that, and then you play Arsenal. Then you play Leeds, who are relegation fodder at the moment. Leicester also kind of towards that that mid-table, which mid-table this year right now is relegation. So I think they're actually probably like 15 or 16. And then to finish the season with Chelsea, who are having probably the worst season they've had in the past decade. Mm-hmm. So, um, and just definitely are a club in complete, in, in, in flux for sure, Chelsea. But that could be like the third hardest match we have. And every all, all those other matches are teams that we have beaten already this season or have had good results against already this season or – and so I I don't know this like you said this feels like this could start another massive run akin to the one we had up until the World Cup break where like you players get hot right now this could be a dangerous like just run for Newcastle where they cement themselves yeah. the third or fourth uh, and and finish out the season really strong so it's a massive match with massive implications um, let's talk about on the Man U side. Who to watch out for? Uh, we okay. already mentioned they're going to be min- they're going to be missing a couple guys um, in terms of uh, Rashford and uh, I mean we'll see if Varane plays, but he's he's also you know one of their best defenders. Uh, but Casemiro as well missing. Of the available players, is there anyone that that scares you? I mean, going sliding in two feet first, scaring me or or. School. Or dancing on the sideline, trying to trying to juke a a, a fullback and and coming back for more scaring me. Look, I'll say this: who who's the difference yeah. maker that the that's really going to you know, like what's yeah. what's left here? I've, I think we've got I think Shaw coming up on the left side. If yeah, Rashford he, he, if Rashford was, does play, he was good in the Cup final again. Yeah, Shaw Shaw, Shaw's class. Like yeah, if I look at this raw, if I look at their their lineup, if I look at their eighteen, I'm like, if I could pick one, look, barring Rashford, like that's that's a, he's a class human being, and he doesn't make mm-hmm. sense on this team because everyone else seems to be a fucking pantomime villain. <laughs> um, well, Val Vecors is a, he's a fine guy. He uh, seems he seems fine. Maybe yeah, maybe I think he's the, he's the kind of guy like that he'd he'd hang out with the kids that would jump you for your lunch money, but he wouldn't touch you. He'd just be yeah, kind of yeah, stand yeah, over to the side. He's still hanging out with the bad kids. Casemiro, Casemiro is the is the first guy in line to like poke you in the eyeball and try to take your lunch money. He's just an absolute dick. I'm glad he's out. Tell the teacher you started it. I know what a guy. Um, (laughs) But I mean, he got a red card and it just absolutely deserved. 
for uh, Fernandes, I think uh, um, uh, Bruno Fernandes is to me. He's going to be their biggest threat, and I think Anthony or Anthony, he's going to do all he can to try to pull people around. I think he's going to try to he's going to try to pull apart that back line and create holes uh, for for Fernandes to like maybe slide a pass into to Veghorst or maybe even pop off. He had a curler in that last match that like mm. I mean inches right that that yeah. last match for Southampton was like. It was nutso, and I think Southampton had some some probably regrettably close shots. If they had been six inches one way or the other, they could have they could have won that as well. And that having been said, you've you still got Sabitzer, who I think could come off the bench and start in this match and be effective. So I mean, maybe Sabitzer comes in on the left side to play for where Rashford is out. Um, yeah, Luke Shaw. If they're going to get a goal, though, if they're going to get a goal, it's going to be it's going to be from Bruno uh, Fernandes or from uh, Veghurst. Um, just he's a big body that's up there and he's banging them home. And it's something that he couldn't do. Um, you know, f- where did, where, where did he come from? Barnsley? No. Um, Burnley. Burnley. Yeah. So, but he, I mean, he was in Germany, but like, also that's, it's not fair because like Burnley played, I mean, well, it's, uh, it's uh, apples and oranges. It's two completely yeah. different systems and you're surrounded by a different class of players. What, what That's what makes him dangerous is that he has the potential to score if he's given the service in the right space. So that's what we're going to have to watch out for. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree with you. I think, like you said, the, the goal scoring threat with Manchester United this season has been Marcus Rashford. Like everything has surrounded him even like other guys have scored it's been his movement that has has really opened up opportunities for them and his him being a threat and so with if he's not in the mix for this and again you know a lot can change in the in the next few days but who knows um but if he's not in the mix then it i do think it's gonna look closer to the like zero zero the nil nil draw we had early in the season mm-hmm. with man U, um where it's just like not a lot's happening because their defense, as much as we like to make fun of them for having Harry Maguire and for and and, and a five six center back, like it's 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 become formidable. And we saw it in the cup final, like I mean, it was still a, a pretty solid defense with even with Juan Basaka. Like a lot of guys who were butts of, of of jokes early on in the season have really sort of ironed themselves out and proved that they are belong here in the prem and they're good and they're solid players. Mm. Um, but yeah, Bruno Fernandes for sure. If he if he's on one. He's going to be the main man for me. But I honestly, I think Anthony is going to be one to watch uh, just because I think he really had one of his better performances of the season against Newcastle in the cup final. Um, he, he definitely pushed his his limits a little bit in terms of like what he could get away with, you know, doing some stuff that, you know, maybe maybe uh, wasn't appropriate, uh, you know, after beating Dan Byrne and then going back in for seconds, that kind of stuff. But you know, against Dan Bird, it's like no doubt he was one of their most dangerous players mm-hmm. coming down. I think he saw that lineup. I think he saw himself lined up across from Dan Bird. It was like, yes, please, thank you very because, much. Yeah, I mean, because like you know, there's a lot you could say about Anthony, but like one thing you cannot deny is that he is a technically gifted and very skilled dribbler. Like you can say a lot about the end product his ability to whip in decent crosses or goals or whatever. Like all he scores is bangers, mm. but he can beat his man. And like when your, his man is a you know six foot seven giraffe that is not the fastest guy in the world. That's food to him. So uh, he's like he's like a, a lioness when she sees a wounded gazelle. Like that's that's Anthony with Dan Bird. So 
I, I that's I'm honestly more scared for about Anthony than anyone else on the team. Like I think Bruto, mm. he he disappears from games very quickly. Uh, it's a mentality thing for him. If he's not like locked in, then he's just going to disappear from the game for like immediately. But Anthony is a guy who just like he's always dangerous. From the, it's like an ASM where the end product may not be there right now, or it may never be there, but. When he's on the ball, something exciting is going to happen, and that yeah. is scary. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he's got a he's got a he's got a chip on his shoulder too. Like he wants to prove that he deserves to be in the Premier League. Yeah, and and I think Fernandez probably already believes that he arrived, right? Yeah. Oh, Fernandez is waiting for Ronaldo to hurry up and retire so he can be, you know, the consensus best Portuguese player. Yeah. Like I think that's honestly where Fernandez's head is at. Is like he's kind of just. I think he's beyond the living in Ronaldo's shadow type of thing of like, he's a very good player and like one of the best midfielders in the world, but you wouldn't know it with how Portuguese media like reports on him or how people speak of him outside of the prem. And he's just always been in Ronaldo's shadow. It's kind of unfortunate for him. I want to go over Manchester United's recent results. And I think that it's led to some misconceptions about where they're at. Or, okay. or what or, or how they may play okay. uh, just going back to March 1st I won't go I won't go all the way back to New Year's like I have for other teams but if we just go all the way back to March 1st um, first off they've had six matches since March 1st right and it's the 28th so that's a yeah. lot of that's a lot of soccer that's a lot of football to be played um, they had a 3-1 win in the FA Cup over West Ham. Okay, then they had their asses handed to them, seven nil to Liverpool in the league. Okay, that's important. Remember that one. Circle that one because that to me that's an outlier. Then they won four one over Real Betis in the Europa League, drew nil drew nil nil versus Southampton in the league. Then a one nil win over Betis to advance in the Europa League. Then a three one win over Fulham in the FA Cup. They've only played of those six matches. Two of them have been in the league and they've only got one point in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you take out, if you take out that nil seven loss to Liverpool, because honestly, like that's an ass whooping, but that's not something like if they were to play that match nine times out of 10, it's not, you know, they could win or lose, but it's not going to be nil seven. Right. Yeah, that's, one of my Manchester United friends, he put it, he he was explaining it to someone who doesn't really watch Soccer's one is like Anfield at Anfield is one of the toughest matches in the Prem. And I do not disagree with that at all. And he brought up a good point of it because this has happened in Newcastle as well, where like Anfield is one of those places where if if Liverpool score two or three early, it's going to get ugly. And like you've actually there's a very solid track record of that happening mm-hmm. where it's just like that environment, the way that same is the way that that team plays at home. It's, like it's kind of what you want St. James's to become, but oh, like it be, it is a place where anyone can go in there and lose seven nil on, on any day. All it takes is like you let in a couple early goals. And if you don't maintain your composure, like, yeah, it could be seven nil. And then like after the third or fourth goal, you've given up and you know that they're just putting seven past you. Yeah. It's like, like, it's, it's like, it's like quicksand. Like you, at first you step in it and it seems soft. And the next thing you know, you're up to your neck and goals and you don't know what you're going to do. Uh, I want to take that. I want to take that result out of this, though. Okay, and then there, there was also an own goal that they that they got. You know, uh, to affect how many goals they've had. So their total goals. Okay, if I just remove that outlier of of nil seven, they've outscored opponents in five matches, ten to three. So regardless of competition, they put goals on frame. 
they yeah. can score and they've given up three goals. Okay. And, and, you know, um, none in, in the Southampton match, which is, you know, a weird one, but they didn't give up a goal in that. So I'm just going to say that Liverpool match is a weird one and that, and I'm going to scratch that. Uh, so they can score and I think they're going to score. And so that's the concern is that I think some people may be going into this fans and hopefully not players and hopefully not staff, but I think supporters may be going into this a little Pollyanna thinking, yeah, this is a massive match and it's at St. James's and they're missing so-and-so and such and such, and we could pip them and we can get this, we can get the three points. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's important, but this is going to be a really, really, really tough match. And if they win this match over Manchester United, I think if you look at the rest of our schedule for Newcastle, it it makes that schedule like it, you really could unlock a, a great stretch. But if they lose this match, it could mess up their mentality and you may go away to Brentford and get a draw. You may go away to Villa and get a draw. And Spurs by you know three weeks from now may have their heads out of their asses. You may get a draw there. And all of a sudden, what looked like a very promising fixture list is is pretty daunting so this match isn't just a big deal because of the place in the standings but it's a big deal because of mentality yeah yeah i will say though as the counterpoint is that rashford's been the best player for manchester united this season so if there's an off chance that he's not available you feel a lot better about your chances than if he was available well in those last six matches rashford has two goals Fernandez has three but I mean, but like like I said though I mean like earlier still so much of their threat offensively revolves around his movement and his ability and him being the danger it's the it's the classic like like in any sport where any team sport where the individuals can shine whether it's basketball or or soccer it's the same thing that's happened like in theory with like ASM at Newcastle in the past couple of years of like the threat of ASM opens up space and ability for everyone else. Absolutely. And so yeah. like I think that's still I mean yeah. again like and it's not it's not a discrediting of Manchester United. I think it's really me trying to give Marcus Rashford his flowers of like I think if there is a Premier League MVP award, I think he's in the running because mm-hmm. I do genuinely think there is nobody in the league right now that is more valuable to their team mm-hmm. than Marcus Rashford has been to Manchester United. Like he is one of the only reasons like it even just, just goal contribution aside, He's one of the only reasons that this season isn't a wash for them. Like, you know, you remember back in the fall, I mean, with when they still had, when they still had uh, the, he, who shall remain unnamed. Like when they still had him, like they weren't a good team. And then when they stopped playing that guy and Rashford was able to play a little more and Martial was also playing alongside him. Like they, looked like a completely different team yeah and i don't think it's a coincidence at all so i i do think that if that i feel better as a newcastle fan if i wake up at you know 8 30 our time and well really i guess i'd wake up at 7 30 if i wake up and i see that rash for injured i feel a lot better than if he's if he's there i'm like this is a this is a two-one loss yeah because i know he's going to score or assist like i yeah. know there's a goal happening from the manchester united side because that's what he does yeah he's yeah. a goal contribution machine all right. I, yeah, uh, I don't want to wish yeah. injury on anybody. Never do. But if he sh- if he woke up that day and he's not feeling it, I'll take it. He's already injured, so it's just it's a um, rather of like you don't have to wish injury. You just got to wish slow recovery. That's it. <laughs> you're a good man. 
yeah, no, I, I, I do what I can. All right, this is the last, and really quick, just give me one player from Newcastle you think is is the one like is the, is going to be the difference maker for us. Whether it's, I mean, I think Newcastle being the way that they're set up, it, it I mean, it could be a defender. Like, who do you think is the most important player for Newcastle this upcoming Sunday? Oh my gosh, um, Jolinton. If if uh, Jolinton uh, makes his return to the pitch, which I expect he would, I think his physicality, um, I think his dynamic his dynamic play, I th- I think um, he's going to be an important piece of of this win for Newcastle United. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I'd say like kind of in the same spirit because I think that I mean I'm curious to see who starts for Newcastle because we mm-hmm. talked about in our last match. I mean, Allison Maxman didn't have a great game, but like both of those wide spots for Newcastle are very much open and very much like whoever is playing better at that time. And Elliot Anderson played really well, <laughs> like uh, for Newcastle off the bench, replacing Allison Maxman. So, and, and on that same note though, like Joe Ellington and Joe Willick was a wonderful left-sided pairing with Joel Ellington playing as a forward and and Willick playing as that left center mid whatever happens if if Joe if Joe Willick's playing I think he is he's the guy for Newcastle where I mean he had a he's had just really good offensive output the past couple of matches just like key passes successful dribbles take-ons and then he's also of course done his work defensively so I think he's just a, he's just been the the other dynamic piece in the midfield that we've needed um in addition to to Bruno, obviously, because you know Sean Longstaff's fine. He's going to give you, he, he, honest. I'm not going to say he's, he's great, um, but his strengths are not. They don't show up with the score sheet the way that Bruno and Joe Willock's strengths do. And so I think Joe Willock, if he continues being really good, I think that's going to be the big, uh, the, the 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 big impact piece for Newcastle. All right, let's get into the. Uh, the stats or in the history, I guess. I think you kind of already touched on the, the stats. So I don't a little know bit, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just all time versus Manchester United. Uh, we have 43 wins, have drawn 41 times and lost 91 times. That's across all competitions, including cup finals. <clears throat> so a little bit of revenge might be in the docket for this coming weekend. February 12th, 2000, Newcastle won three nil at St. James's park in front of 30, 36,470 supporters Mr. Stephen Harper was in goal. Warren Barton was in defense. Nikos Dabizas, Helder, Aaron Hughes were in defense. Kieran Dyer, Rob Lee, Gary Speed were in the midfield with big dunk Ferguson up top. Kevin Gallagher and Alan Shearer at forward. We had goals from Duncan Ferguson in the 26th and a brace for Shearer in the 76th and 86th minute. That was in 2000. Now, that was a heck of a win for a Newcastle team. And especially when you consider the Manchester United lineup for that day, let me read this off to you. Um, even if you're not a big fan of Manchester United, you'll still geek out at, at this lineup. Um, Mark Bosnich in, in, in between the pipes, Dennis Irwin in defense, Gary Neville, Mikhail Silvestre, Yap Stam, David Beckham, Ryan Giggs, Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Andy Cole, and Teddy Sheringham. If that's not a freaking like early 2000s who's who of yeah. like the all-time greatest players to play with in FIFA get out of here. Like what a, t- what a team. A nice, that's a nice classic Jersey lineup right there too. Oh, it's fantastic. And we beat them and we beat them then. And we're going to beat them this weekend. 
Uh oh. Is is that you giving your prediction? Well, are, we move, are we already on predictions? We can be. We can be. Okay. I mean, yeah. Well, so we're gonna good. win. We're okay. gonna win. We're gonna win two to one. It's gonna be That's tight. What I have. I have them scoring first. To be honest with you, I have yeah, them scoring, no, I, I have them scoring first and, and making us sweat a little bit. But the second half is gonna be all Newcastle. I I agree with that. Um, I have us two one with them scoring first. Um, and then I have Isak scoring. Um, you know me; I like to get specific. Oh, dude, I've got, I've got score. Isak scoring, yeah. and I've got Elliot Anderson off the bench. He deserves one, doesn't he? Because he, yeah, you're right. He deserves it, and so I have him off the bench, match winner, like dream, dream, dream debut. Not dream debut, but like dream, like opportunity for him. Because you know, like getting your first club goal and getting it disallowed, and it was a way match. That's one thing. But you mm-hmm. get you get it again. Like after that, all of that happens, and you get it like at home in the Galgit in like childhood like, dreams. Oh my god, it's going to be, be such a great day for him. I I see. I could also see Joe Willick getting a late runner. I think yeah. I think he can come late in the box and catch a ball that he's not going to be marked because I think our squad is a bunch of names. Maybe to them, yeah. and maybe that's just from a fan perspective. Maybe as a professional, you know, footballer, maybe they'll look at our lineup a little bit differently, and they'll know their jobs and they'll have instruction. And maybe they will mark Willick, but I don't think I think that he he can come in unmarked late and and and, and nail the ball and get the winner. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think yeah. you're right. I think Isaac gets his goal, and I think uh, Cool Joe Willick gets his winner. Yeah, we'll say Isaac. Uh, he needs one more goal to tie Callum Wilson. Uh, in terms of goals this season, and let's Tom go, big has man. Played far more matches than him, so um, shout out to Alexander Isak. Hopefully, he still uh, is feeling the good vibes and good juju, and it's going to provide us with more and more goals. You know, again, like we we're saying, if you're going to go on one of those legendary runs that we went on in the fall, you're going to need a player to step up and provide those goals. And right now. There's just no doubt in my mind. It's going to be Isak. Like I feel like he is going to have his coming out party this this last little bit of the season, and people are going to know his name. Like I think anyone who plays FIFA, anyone who played you know Football Manager, they already knew about Alexander Isak. I think the average Joe Blow, who's a Chelsea fan living in London, and the average Joe Blow who who lives down on the south coast in Bournemouth, like everyone's going to know Isak by the end of the season. Because he's going to finish with double-digit goals. <laughs> I hope that you're right. I, I mean, I, here's the thing, Josh. I'm 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 Negro Damas for a reason. I'm I'm right. <laughs> what can right. I say? What can I yeah. say? <laughs> Anything else you uh, you got to add to this one, sir? No, it's a massive match. Newcastle United gets the win. It changes. It shifts the fortunes of the teams in the top six, and it really 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 ruffles the feathers of the pundits watch out for vitriolic takes all week next week win or lose they're gonna hate newcastle they already did why not we'll not keep it up but if we really if we beat manchester united man you know how upset the media is gonna be they're gonna hate it oh it'll be it'll be glorious and i can't wait for it um i'm hoping it happens I really just don't want another boring Newcastle Manchester United match. And the cup final gave me hope that like we're beyond those days. So hopefully we got an exciting match. 
I'm hoping for a win. I'm I'm if I were a betting man, which I'm not, even though I'm in a state where it's legal, I would put money on Newcastle to win this. I just have a good feeling about it. Um, but other than that, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to then talk with you. Um, that that's gonna be it for this episode. A couple small programming notes, as you guys, I've mentioned this online. We are now posting and hosting through Spotify podcast. So that comes with some unique features. Like we can run polls and questions. So if you're listening to us on Spotify, interact with that stuff. Like we're asking questions. We want to know who you think is man of the match. We want to know what we can be doing better. And uh, we'll be able to see that feedback, publish it, all that kind of stuff um, as well. We can also run polls and things like that. So would love to get like a user man of the match, like poll running or like mm. user questions, all those kind of stuff. We can do all that. That So um, again, if you're if you're on Spotify, you'll start to notice it and a lot of other cool things coming down the pipeline. And if you're not on Spotify and use something like Apple Podcasts or I don't know, like what what else is there to listen to podcasts? Random podcast app. Then I don't know what to tell you. Maybe Stitcher, give Spotify, maybe. give yeah, Stitcher, give Spotify a try. Maybe you'll like it. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, um, know. yeah, that that's all we got for this uh, this week's episode of CHN Radio. We'll be back next week, potentially early next week, just because we got a midweek match. Um, so Josh and I are figuring that out. But we'll be back next week with another episode for you. But without further ado, I'm Elijah. That's Josh. This was episode 200 of CH and Radio. Hoey the last day. But I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again. I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody And to live in Jody land Some people think we're bawdy And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wing I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been a weird I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how weird I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names like Linda Swan in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. 
kiss the ground for the welcome sound of me mother saying, hey, how we're I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home. 